The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. I'm your host, Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is Alexis Neely. Alexis is a business and entrepreneurial strategist. She is also a lawyer. Some people call her the truth-telling lawyer. And that's why Alexis has a pretty unique perspective, which we can all benefit from. She understands both online marketing and the law. Today, we're going to be talking about how, as online marketers, we need to make sure that we have the legal side of our business prepared and have everything in place so that we don't regret it later down the line. You can find a little bit more about Alexis over at eyeswideopenlife.com. Alexis, thank you very much for being on the call with me today. Yeah, Joey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Alexis, could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in this industry? Sure. So this all really started for me when I went out on my own as a lawyer. I had graduated first in my class from Georgetown Law and started my career at one of the big law firms uh, in the U.S. It's called Munger, Tolls & Olson. It was started by Charlie Munger, who, if you know Warren Buffett, he's Warren Buffett's number one business advisor. And I went to that law firm because I thought that Uh, I'd get to practice law in an advisory type way, but what I quickly found out is that it wasn't quite like that, uh, that everything was about forms and documents and transactions. And so I went out on my own, knowing nothing about business. Uh, My husband was a stay-at-home dad taking care of our kids, and I was the breadwinner, so I really had to make it work right from the beginning. And I focused all my effort and energy on learning how to make money doing business like an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and I, I became very successful very quickly at that. So I built uh, my practice into a million-dollar-a-year revenue-generating business, mm-hmm. and that was great, except that I didn't know anything about the legal, insurance, financial, and tax parts of my business, mm-hmm. even though I was a lawyer. Yeah. They didn't teach us that in law school. They taught us about you know legal things from the perspective of big corporations, but I didn't really think that that applied to me as the owner of a practice, you know. And uh, ultimately, uh, what ended up happening is is that lack of knowledge cost me more than a million dollars. Oh no! What happened? Oh, a lot of things. A lot of different things happened. So I'll just uh, give you some of them. Yeah. Um, you know, starting with an unexpected six-figure tax bill in the first year that I hit a million dollars of revenue, mm-hmm. uh, un- unplanned for, unexpected. And it really just came from not knowing the right questions to ask okay. my CPA. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so even though I had a CPA and I had a bookkeeper, I wasn't interacting with them in a way that could really help me and help my business. Turns out I could have cut that tax bill in half if I had known the right questions to ask. Sure. Okay. Uh, so it just proceeded on from there. Um, I ended up getting sued by an employee. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the right insurance in place to fight the lawsuit, even though, Joey, I thought that I was the best employer ever. Yeah. I was so nice. I was so caring. I didn't make my employees keep track of any time or hours. Just come in when you want, leave when you want, as long as you get the work done. You know, I really thought that I was the best. Mm 
And ultimately, um, that employee, it turns out, was stealing from me, and I fired her, and she sued me. Right, okay. And, you know, I didn't have the right uh, insurance in place to fight that lawsuit, nor did I have the right documentation in place, and ultimately ended up having to settle that lawsuit for five-figure settlement, had to pay an attorney more than $10,000 to work with me on that. Mm-hmm. That was a big uh, a big, ugly investment. Sure. Uh, and, you know, it just went on from there. There were all sorts of other things that happened in my business from not having the right financial systems, from not having the right legal agreements in place, that finally in 2009, I'd sold my law practice in, in 2008 because I'd started an online training company training lawyers on this new law business model that I had created. And what I saw is very quickly I grew that business into a million and a half a year business. Mm-hmm. But once again, I was making the exact same mistakes with the foundation. I didn't have the right business model in place, so the business was really dependent on me uh, to work excessive number of hours. And uh, I didn't have the right agreements. I didn't have the right financial systems. So I was really repeating the same mistakes again. And I set out to learn everything I could about legal insurance, financial and tax and business models for the micro business owner. For people like me and you who are not the big companies, but are just the small guys. Yeah. And once I did that, and I, I did about, you know, more than a hundred hours of interviews with legal, insurance, financial, and tax professionals. And once I did that, I knew that I had to teach it to other people. And, you know, I, I should say that, but I really didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I was, I was really resistant because yeah, you know, I thought legal, I thought these were things were boring and they were the things that nobody wanted to focus on. Yeah. But, you know, I was part of a mastermind group, a whole bunch of women. Mm-hmm. They were all seven-figure business owners. And what they said to me is, Alexis, we need you to teach this to us mm-hmm. because we're stuck in our businesses because we don't have the right foundations in place. And many of them didn't even know what kind of insurance they should have. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with their with their encouragement, I created a program called LIFT, and it stands for Legal Insurance, Financial, and Tax. And it teaches the micro business owner, entrepreneur, exactly what you actually need to have in place to have a foundation in your business that will allow your business to grow to wherever you want it to be. Sure. And uh, and so I've been sharing that system with folks uh, for the past uh, few years now, and people are just benefiting from it hugely. Many of them say that it's and it's really better for an M- it's better than an MBA, yeah. especially if if you have you know this kind of business that is. Not a, uh, not, you know, it's not a big, huge business. It's a business that serves people and helps people and you want to make a difference in the world. There's certain things that, that you need to know for your size and type of business. Do you find that typically people have these things in place already? Or is it a case of when trouble arises? Then suddenly they scramble around and try to get it sorted out, but uh, possibly it's, it's too late. Yeah, it's, it's a combination. So there's some people that, um, just want to keep their heads buried in the sand. And that was me. You know, I want to keep my head buried in the sand. I didn't want to think about any of this. I, in fact, thought that thinking about it would attract bad things to me, mm-hmm. that if I thought about legal agreements or if I asked for legal agreements, people wouldn't like me or they'd think I didn't trust them or they wouldn't do business with me. And then I thought that, you know, if I got insurance that I'd be attracting bad things to me, you know, under the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, with the financial systems, I just thought, well, I'll just make more money. I don't have to keep track of my money very mm-hmm. quickly because I'll just make more. 
I'm really good at making money. So there is a group of people like that who just figure, well, you know, if something happens, I'll just make more money. Um, and then, of course, there is the group of people that is very proactive and wants to take care of things up front, make sure that they've got the business foundation to support the size of the business that they're growing and to support the clients that they have and to support the work that they're doing. So it's really a mix. And, um, and, and I'm willing to meet people wherever they are. Um, and, you know, if you come to me because, you know, you, I, I did have a friend come to me the other day and he actually just had gotten in big trouble. Um, because he didn't classify the people working for him properly, and he called them independent contractors, even though they were employees, and therefore he didn't have workers' comp insurance. He actually got charged with workers' comp fraud, and he had a $150,000 fine, and he was facing criminal charges, misdemeanor and felony charges in California, and he called me and he said, Alexis, what do I do? Can you help me get out of this? And no, the answer was no. Mm-hmm. It's great. Now you just have to face the consequences. Mm-hmm. So no matter when you come to me, I'll, I'll help you deal with face what you have to face. But I can tell you this. It's a lot easier to face it when you're not forced to face it. It's a lot easier to face it when you do it by choice. And when you do, those big crazy things like that don't tend to happen. Absolutely. I totally uh, agree there. I, I personally got into business very young and I never thought about these things at all. It's just been a bit of an afterthought. Luckily, I've not had anything too bad happen, uh, and fingers crossed it will stay that way. But little things have happened here and there which have made me think, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today, because I think that possibly I'm not alone there. My audience, perhaps, are in the same situation. It's just not something that they've really thought about too much. Um, But I agree with you. It's definitely something that is much better to get in place now so that we don't find ourselves like your friend did, in a situation where it's just too late for us. So a lot of the questions today are to do with the legal side of internet marketing and online marketing. The first thing I wanted to ask you was, for those of us doing business online, what are some ways that we might find ourselves getting into trouble with the law if we are unprepared? Great. So if, if you're doing business online, you absolutely um, need to realize that you have a real business. Mm-hmm. Just doing business online doesn't mean that you don't need legal agreements in place. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you don't need to have insurance and financial systems. So so that's the first thing. Um, if you are not incorporated, if your business is not incorporated um, in, in the UK, that's going to be different than here in the US. Yeah. But if, if your business isn't incorporated, you don't have a real business, mm-hmm. period. If you want a real business, you incorporate your business. And then once you incorporate your business, you make sure that you've got a separate bank account. You make sure that you've got tax ID number. Uh, you make sure that you've got legal agreements in place with everyone. That's really your biggest risk. Okay. Your risk right now is that you don't have any legal agreements in place with the people that you're doing business with. I, I know people who don't have legal agreements in place with their partners. You don't have legal agreements in place with the people who are working for you. Most people will have legal agreements in place with the people who are hiring them. That's like the bare minimum that I do see. You got, you, if you don't have that, you need to have that as well. So that's really your biggest risk. Now, that's not going to get you in trouble with the law, per se. Mm-hmm. Your biggest risk when it comes to getting in trouble with the law is not um, characterizing your employees properly. Okay. You're you know, treating them as contractors when they're employees. Uh, that's probably your biggest risk there. In fact, 
really the cost of employing people generally, whether as independent contractors or employees, is your biggest risk overall. Okay. It's, okay. Uh, it's just, you know, having people work for you, especially when you don't have um, legal agreements in place, is really what what you've got to be uh, the most aware of because something's going to go wrong with those people. And you think they're your friends and you think that they like you. Mm -hmm. And chances are that that's not the case. And and you're only going to find that out when they're on their way out and now you've got a lawsuit against. Sure. So we need to make sure that we have those legal agreements. Could you clarify, Alexis, in that situation, when does an independent contractor become an employee? I know that um, that might sound like a bit of a silly question. But I know that a lot of online marketers outsource to places like India, the Philippines. All of that still counts as independent contractors, doesn't it? Right, yes. So so when you're outsourcing to the Philippines, India, overseas, you don't have to worry about it. It's when you're hiring in the United States and you think because somebody's working from home Mm -hmm. uh, that they're they're not an employee. And in fact, we're dealing with this right now ourselves because now we have people who are working for us full time from home and we're looking at turning them all into employees because yeah. they're full time for us and that that's exactly what makes them uh employees. Sure. And so we're looking at is uh you know, do you have someone who's really working for you full time under your control, in which case they are an employee, not an independent contractor. And obviously, an independent contractor would have their own business, and they would deal with their own tax. Is that right? Exactly right. Yeah. And that's one way that you can make sure that somebody is an independent contractor is by having an independent contractor agreement in place with them. Okay. And uh, and that's really important. If uh, if you do have independent contractors, you need to have an independent contractor agreement in place. And um, uh, ideally, you'd be paying them through their own business instead of paying them as an individual. Fantastic. My next question was to do with websites. Is there anything we need to have on our website to be compliant with the law? Things like disclaimers, privacy policies, etc., etc. Yeah, you absolutely do. Um, you need to have terms of service. You need to have a privacy policy. You need to have disclaimers, especially if you're a lawyer like me. So, for example, I'll give you a disclaimer right now. Okay. Even though I'm talking about legal things, I'm not your lawyer. Mm-hmm. This is legal advice. Uh, it is for informational and educational purposes only, and you should definitely seek the counsel of your own uh, attorney to advise you on the specifics of your business. So that's a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. And if you're providing any um, legal or medical advice or anything that can be construed like that, you need to have uh, the disclaimers. Also, if you're selling anything that has to do with making money, yeah. then you need to have the earnings disclaimer on your website. Um, if you're selling anything as an affiliate, you need to disclose that and make sure that uh, that you've indicated that you are uh, that you're selling um, products as an affiliate and uh, that you're being compensated for your recommendations. How about email marketing? Is there anything that we should know about there? Sure. I mean, the best thing that you can know from an email marketing perspective is you could really understand the laws of the spam laws. And so that you know when are you spamming someone and uh, when are you not. The key, of course, is to make sure that everybody that you're emailing opted into your email list, that there's an unsubscribe link in every email so that they can easily unsubscribe if they want to. And I'll tell you what, Joey, one of the things that we're learning um, is to make it really easy to unsubscribe. Okay. That actually helps 
not just it's just not just from a legal perspective it's just good business it actually gets your emails more easily delivered because if people can't easily subscribe and they report you to their ISP mm-hmm. as a scammer that hurts your sender it makes it less likely that your emails will get delivered to the inbox of the people who really want it. So even just from a marketing point of view, if we want to get good deliverability, then we should be adhering to that. But also from a legal perspective as well. So a lot of reasons to stay on the right track with that one. How about running an affiliate program? Lots of internet marketers have their own products and they have affiliates who help them make sales. Is there anything we should know about running an affiliate program from a legal point of view? Yeah, I think the big thing for you to know is that you should um, uh, customize your affiliate agreement. Hmm. And you need to stay in good communication with your affiliates. You need to let them know how they're going to get paid, when they're going to get paid. Here's a little trick, as a matter of fact, because you're going to need to 1099 all of your affiliates that make over $600 with you here in the U.S. Okay. And that big, huge pain at the end of the year if you have not collected W-9s throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So. What you want to do is you want to not send out any check to an affiliate that you do not have a W-9 on file for. Okay. You get the W-9 at the time that you send their check, and you send them an email that says, hey, I have a check here for you, but I need you to complete this W-9, attach it, have it set up in EchoSign or one of the you know online signing services so that they can sign it and... Uh, and, and get it back to you very easily. What about running contests or sweepstakes? From a legal standpoint, is there anything we should know there? You know, you, what I would do if you're running contests or sweepstakes is I would look at a trusted site mm-hmm. that run a contest or a sweepstake and see exactly what they're doing in terms of their disclaimers. This is if you don't want to hire a lawyer to help you do it. Now, you're taking a risk there that they didn't do it right. Um, but if it's a really trusted, reputable company and you know that they spent a lot of money hiring a lawyer and you want to run a contest or a sweepstake and you want to see what they're doing, mm-hmm. take a look at their disclaimers and know that you're going to have to have something just like that when you're running a contest or a sweepstake yourself. And then, of course, if you're running it on something like Facebook, there's going to be Facebook's own rules that you have to comply with or your contests will get taken down, which are different than the law, okay. right? So they're the law and then there's Facebook. Facebook mm-hmm. isn't the law, but if you're trying to run something on their platform, then what they say goes, even if it's not what the law requires. So you need to really be aware of that, whatever that is. So if you do it on Facebook, you maybe won't get in trouble with the law, but you could get banned from Facebook, which isn't very nice either. Does it matter what country we live in, Alexis? For example, I live in the UK and let's say that I violate one of the FTC's laws, which is based in America. Can they still take me to court? Can I still get in trouble? You can still get in trouble. Okay. Uh, and the whether or not they can bring you here mm-hmm. to, um, to enforce the trouble that you got in mm-hmm. is a whole other question. Okay. But I don't think that you want to do something that keeps you from being able to come to the U.S. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's not worth it to think, oh, well, I'm over here. I'm just going to, you know violate the FTC laws and then I just won't go to the U.S. because you, know, you might want to come to the U.S. at some point. Um, and they could certainly seize bank accounts uh, if you have any U.S. bank accounts. And it's possible that they could even seize bank accounts overseas if there's a, a treaty uh, with the place that you're in that would, you know, if you got convicted of something um, 
you know, if you got uh, convicted of something here where they could seize your bank accounts wherever you are. If wow. you get sued um, either civilly or criminally and you get charged with that and the site of the – and the jurisdiction is here uh, in the U.S., because you were doing business here in the U.S., you would potentially have to come here to fight that. Mm-hmm. They could a judgment against you. Yeah. And you're going to have to deal with that if you ever want to come into the States. Yeah, I don't want any problems. I'm, I like coming to the United States. But that was a very uh, specific example of the U.K. and the U.S.A. because all countries have uh, different laws around the world. Do you see that um, one day there might be some kind of international law that applies to the Internet for all countries? Or is that probably unlikely to happen? You know, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of it just depends on where we go with all of the globalization. I imagine that uh, that there certainly will be um, uh, as, as we become more global, you know, and we're all working with each other in various places and there's no barriers to us connecting and communicating and exchanging money and doing things that I, I imagine – uh, that it will become uh, even more and more international. Yeah. Sorry to ask you an awkward question like that. I, I know that you probably couldn't have known the exact answer to that, but it's just an interesting thing to think about because I've always wondered how does it work? If I do something in the UK, do American laws still apply? I guess it's just best to adhere to everyone's laws to stay out of trouble. When it comes to money. Yeah. That, that's really what we're talking about here is, mm-hmm. you know, we're, talking about it from an exchange perspective. So, so let's say that you're in, um, you know, uh, some, you know, some small town in Ukraine, mm-hmm. right? And you have a, a website that, uh, that you're selling something on and you violate the FTC rules. Um, you know, but you don't have an earnings disclaimer or something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, is it ever going to be a problem for you? Possibly not. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Probably unless you get big enough, um, in which case it could, but you don't want to be banned from selling in the U.S. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why take that risk? And, and and maybe you say, well, you know, I don't care if I do. I'll just open up another, you know, uh, another ISP account, and, you know, do it another way, and that's fine. That's not really the businesses that I work with. Yeah. The businesses that I work with are businesses that are really focused on helping people, Making a difference in the world, doing what I call the great work, and uh, and and you know aren't just in it for the money. And I find that somebody who's you know just in it for the money maybe doesn't care so much about having the right foundation in place because maybe for them it doesn't matter as much. Is there anywhere that we can go to read up about these laws, FTC guidelines, and other similar things? Do you have any recommended reading? Sure. Um, well, one of the places that you can go is uh, on our website, eyeswideopenlife.com, and you can get our recommended advisor's guide if you're looking for help with some of these issues from advisors who uh, specifically work in serving entrepreneurs with online businesses. And um, you can also get three free legal agreements on that site as well, uh, one for affiliates, one for uh, independent contractors, and uh, one as a non-disclosure agreement. You mentioned there about advisors. What sort of advisors and professional services should we make sure that we have in place? Things such as lawyers, accountants, etc. In, in which areas do we need advisors? 
Yeah, so you're definitely going to want to have uh, a lawyer that you trust uh, working at your side if you're going your business. Um, and that's going to be ideally a lawyer who you can really look to as more of a business advisor rather than just a document drafter. Okay. And um, you're going to also want to have an insurance advisor, someone who's helping you to make sure you've got the right insurance in place uh, and you need business insurance, personal insurance, and, and you need life insurance. And I go through all of that in, in my program, my Lyft Foundation System program. Uh, then you're also going to want to have a bookkeeper uh, and possibly an outsourced CFO and definitely a tax advisor. Uh, okay. And your bookkeeper needs to be someone who's not just entering data but is actually helping you to uh, create the reports that are necessary for you to analyze either by yourself or with your CFO to determine whether your business is on track to, um, to be able to grow to the degree that you want it to be able to grow mm-hmm. uh, and stay healthy all along the way. And then your tax advisor is someone that you want to meet with a couple of times a year to be able to strategize on your taxes. And that's going to save you a huge amount of taxes um, uh, over the lifetime of your company if you're strategizing with your tax advisor twice a year. Cost-wise, is this something that small business owners will find affordable or is it something that they're going to have to be expecting to pay quite a bit of money for? Well, you definitely have to expect to pay a little bit out. um, But... Uh, the way that I look at it is that you always want to build your business from where you want to be rather than from where you are now. Yeah. And so if you want to build a multi-million dollar business, then you're going to invest some money in, in setting up your financial systems and getting your business structures in place. Mm-hmm. Um, just want, you know, to make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you could probably do a lot yourself. Mm-hmm. The key is you want to make sure that you know what you can do yourself that you get educated even if you're going to hire people to do it, and then that you hire the right people. Yeah. And I, I put together a system that makes all of that really easy. Number one, getting educated so that you get in the know about what you don't know. Um, some people have said that my program is better than an MBA uh, mm-hmm. for the, the micro-business owners like us because it's really applicable to us. And um, uh, then... Once you've gotten educated about what you actually need and what you don't need and what you can do yourself and what you need to hire out, then uh, we've created hiring guides so that when you are ready to hire people, you're hiring the right people, people who can actually do what you need. And we're giving you questions to ask those people before you hire them. So you're not just calling them up and saying, hi, um, how much do you cost? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which yeah. is what a lot of people ask. Mm-hmm. But that you have some actual questions to ask that are going to um, – uh, really um, help you to know, is this person really the right person for you? And then we've created implementation maps that guide you step-by-step step through making the right decisions uh, for um, uh, and, and, and implementing these strategies. They're doing it yourself or hiring someone to do it. Uh, and then um, we've also got in place legal agreements, more than 20 legal agreements, so that you don't have to go out and hire an attorney every single time that you want to put in place a legal agreement. You can use our template agreements to do it and learn how to go through the agreement process so that you can do it yourself as well. So we've put all of that into our system, and you can that's one way that you can learn how to do it and get it in place for you know less than a couple thousand dollars, or you can invest you know tens of thousands of dollars and hiring people to do it and or even millions of dollars learning it the trial and error way like I did. Yes, ultimately it will cost, but it could cost you far more if you don't do it. So that's a good incentive for anyone. 
I just want to thank you, Alexis, for coming on the show today. Can you tell us where we can get the Lyft program and where we can get more of this kind of info from you? Yeah, so I would start with eyeswideopenlife.com. That's where you'll get the legal agreements and uh, the resource advisor's guide. Um, and then the other place that you can check us out where you can see a whole, uh, a whole talk I did on this topic is at myliftfoundation.com. That's myliftfoundation.com. And, uh, when you opt in there, I have a 60 minute talk that I did, uh, that goes through everything about getting your lift foundation set up and we'll tell you more about where you can get the lift foundation system. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time to listen, everyone, and I encourage you to take uh, advantage of Alexis's offer. Alexis, thank you so much for this interview and also for the offer that you've just given us to get access to all of those great free templates and guides. It's very useful indeed. Okay. Thank you, Joey. Have a beautiful day. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.